This is According to Jim with Jim Joyner and Steve Sell, McPherson's sports talk show. Touchdown, Kansas City! Maybe the best play yet of Patrick Mahomes' incredible young career! Listen Monday through Friday from 1230 to 1 p.m. on 96.7 FM KBBE or online at midkansasonline.com. No, I went to Temecula and brought you some dirt. And this is how you use this dirt. No, don't, don't. You do it like this, you get it, you sort of rub it on. Okay, now I'm ready to go. According to Jim is your home for the McPherson Bullpup. And then they get a turn. Uh Seth Madrin to the other end, rises and hammers it home. Everything happening in the sports world. You gotta fight for your right to fight! And even some things not happening in the sports world. I'll probably wrap up in a blanket or something. Now it's time for According to Jim. Here's Jim Joyner and Steve Sell. Let's do this thing, another edition of According to Jim right here on 96.7 FM, KBBE, or for those of you listening online, worldwide at midkansasonline.com. I'm Jim Joyner, joining me as always, the most popular man in the entire city of McPherson, and today, statewide, as we begin the McPherson Invitational, Mr. Steve Sell. Steve, good afternoon. Good afternoon. The reason I say you're going to be very popular statewide is we've got schools from all corners of the great state of Kansas coming here to McPherson for a very fun weekend of basketball at the McPherson Invitational. You're going to be posting stories. These people are going to be counting on you, all of your good friends at Lawrence Free State, all of your good friends at Junction City, hey, all of your followers at Topeka Seaman, Wichita North, Bishop Carroll, they all need some Steve Sell in their life. <laughs> well, we do uh, provide stories after every game. Uh, the K-Man, Kendall Shaw, uh, generally has a photo to go with the story. Uh, he, of course, he shoots photos throughout the tournament. Uh, check out his, uh, you know, his work at his website. Uh, I'll have the link up there uh, at some point. Uh, it's already been up there many times in the past, but he shoots some great stuff. And, you know, it's, it's about uh, what is it for us? Probably we get – well, I get there like at 2.15, 2.30 today, probably leave the roundhouse around 10, yeah. 10 o'clock. Uh, you know, it's, it's about an eight-hour day after a day. You know, we've already had a busy day. We've taped the McPherson College Coaches Show. That's right. Had a real good show today. Oh, it was a great show. Coach Eskelson, uh, Coach Nichols, Brittany Jarvis. Uh, you know, really entertaining young lady uh, from Mac College, really doing a good job for the Bulldog basketball She said she team. was a big fan of surfing. Yes. I like that. I yeah. thought that was she's, cool. She's, she's a surfer, and, and, and so it's – but she said she also wanted to experience the different seasons uh, yeah. of, of weather because where she grew up in California, it was basically, you know, spring or summertime all the time. She never – Hot. Hardly got to see any fall or winter. So, Steve, we have a fun McPherson College Coaches Show coming up later. We have a lot to talk about today, and I want to talk a little bit more about the Invitational later on today. But we have some other things to talk about as a reminder. We do still have four tickets for the McPherson Invitational. Three-day passes. We're going to give those away here in just a little bit, so don't call now. Yeah, don't call now. Don't call. And don't try to do that like when Mark has his morning show, people try to set their phones or something thinking they're going to call. You know, They've got it so they can call and win tickets just call like you normally would if you if you get in you know you got a chance to win you know you just you just got to kind of get lucky we it, it just blew up yesterday it was um, it was amazing uh when you announced it was time to 
call to win the tickets. I think we took caller number three or I think we could probably take caller number 15 as many calls came our in. Our 96th caller. Yeah, our 96.7 caller. But uh, no, uh, we had a ton of people, you know, try to call to get those tickets. And who wouldn't? Who wouldn't want to see three days of basketball for free? Uh, for free. Yeah. And uh, uh, Foz McVicker uh, won the tickets yesterday. I'm sure he'll make good use of them. And uh, um, we'll give some more away today. Steve, the big headline of the day. Not Antonio Brown. That that guy's been crazy. It yeah. was it was we a big headline nuts. yesterday. Yeah. The big headline yesterday, you and I, Coach Kinneman, we were ready to watch Zion. We wanted to see the debut of Zion. He's been hurt. He's been waiting to come back for the Pelicans. And Zion starts the game, touches the ball about eight times, comes out of the game. And I went, well, this was the biggest dud I've ever seen in my life. Well, I didn't even watch the end of it. I I watched it till half. I mean, he played about eight minutes in the first half. I think he had five points. Really didn't show a whole lot. Looked a little out of shape. Looked a little sluggish. Looked large. Yeah. Um, but then. Yeah. And but then, then. Yeah, in the fourth quarter, uh, Zion went crazy. I was still awake. And Well, you know I don't stay awake that late. So why they had it that game that late, I don't know. They should have had that game earlier. But uh, Zion Williamson, I think he had 17 straight points. It was unbelievable. Yeah, he made threes, and that's something that he's really not that adept at is shooting the three-pointer. He was the first player in NBA history to, in his first game, make four for four or better from three. Nobody else has ever done that before, and Zion, who's not a three-point shooter, knocks down four well, knocks down four. anybody four. named Zion, you better be able to play. It's like if you're named LeBron. It is a good name. It is Zion. It's just it's a it's a name of strength, Mount Zion. And he looks like if his Zeus. name was Zeus. He is Zeus Hercules. Out there. Yeah, I mean he is so chiseled. And and I think to me, I thought he looked a little heavy, a little out he of shape. He did look big. He looked he's just such a massive individual, but he's got crazy skills. How would you like to have Zion driving down the lane and you step in to take a charge? I wouldn't. No. I mean, he'd turn you into a ink spot. So anyway, great debut for Zion, uh, twenty-two points, I believe. You might as well just—he's going to miss forty games. He missed the first forty games of the year, and I think they've already decided he's going to be rookie of the year. I think Mr. John Morant. John Morant. John Morant's good. He's a, he's a good player, but he plays for a team nobody pays attention to, and his team's not very good. So all eyes are now on Zion, but. Zion's team didn't win against a Spurs team that's not even in the playoffs right now. Spurs, baby. Popovich. Pop. That doesn't bother me And then me they interview Pop at halftime, and, of course, he's like, you know, he, he, he just purposely acts like a jerk on halftime interviews just to because that's his image and he lives up to it. So I don't know why they even waste 45 seconds trying to talk to him. He doesn't want to talk to him. Just leave him alone. I don't really understand it either, but anyway – Steve Sell, the other thing that we haven't had a chance to talk about this week that I think I need to get your input on, something that I think you will be interested in, that is Major League Baseball's Hall of Fame voting, which came out this week. And your good friend Larry Walker. Former Cardinal. He made the Hall of Fame. Yeah. As well as Derek Jeter. Sir Derek Jeter. Mr. Jeter. Yes. Derek Jeter. Jeter. As the old PA guy. I want to know say. who the idiot was. That didn't vote for him. He got all but one vote. Of course, you know, they don't release who is the guy that uh, 
Well, they don't release it, but almost all of the people that do vote will release their ballot. Yeah. A lot of them will post it and say, hey, here's what well, I if, submitted. If Derek Jeter isn't Hall of Famer on the first ballot, there shouldn't be a Hall of Fame. Because Derek Jeter, pride of the Yankees, over, what, 3,000-some hits, yeah. went on a ton of World Series championship teams, Epitome, played the game the way he should. You never heard any steroid talk about Derek Jeter. He was just a tremendous, tremendous player. Did a lot for the game of baseball. Now his front office management skills with the Miami Marlins. Yeah, yeah not very good. It wasn't great. So good thing they didn't vote on the Hall of Fame on that. But he should have been a unanimous first ballot Hall of Famer. So whoever that one guy is, you're an idiot. Do you have a problem with them, with somebody not voting for him if they had a good reason? What good reason could you have? Well, what if what if he really wanted to vote for Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds, Omar Vizquel, Scott Rowland? So you're saying what you're saying is, is he that may, he said, "Okay, Jeter's getting he's in. He's going to get in with my vote, right? Without, without my vote, right? But now I still think you need to vote for the guys that should be in. I don't care if you're trying to get other guys in. Derek Jeter should have been unanimous, and you know, remember though, Babe Ruth was never unanimous. Ty Cobb wasn't unanimous. Walter Big Train Johnson, I don't think, was unanimous. That's because nobody but, saw those But they people. got this, there's this archaic view, well, just, he can't go in on the first year. He just can't. That's not the way we do things. Well, the Sandman changed all that. Mariano Rivera with the cutter. That's right. And, you know, I can't, I always say you can't trust the cutter, but he trusts the cutter. And Mariano Rivera was the first guy ever to be named to the Hall of Fame with a unanimous vote. And I think you'll see more unanimous vote guys down the line. But again, no Barry Bonds. There are a few no, guys that are starting to get close. Yeah, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens. They're start. What's really interesting is, to me, Larry Walker. Now, I don't know if he was a Hall of Famer. You know, I watched his career. He had the advantage of playing Colorado, which inflates your numbers a little bit. But when, Larry Walker, Canada as well. when Larry Walker was first on the ballot, he was getting like 10% of the vote. So how does he go from 10% to... 76, and he barely made it. He made it just on one percentage point above the cutoff point. So how do you go from 10% to 76%? I guess it's just who's on the ballot that year. I don't know. That has to do a little bit yeah. with it. Larry Walker, to me, I don't know. if I. To be honest, if you'd say Larry Walker, Hall of Fame doesn't come into my mind. His numbers are pretty good. They're good, yeah, They're but they're... Played for a long time. Yeah, longevity. Great outfielder. Great, great arm in right field. Is it a weird thought that I have that the Hall of Fame in sports shouldn't have anything outside of what happened in the actual sport unless it is, you know, you're doing something for the game. So the reason I bring that up is Kurt Schilling. Yeah. Kurt Schilling has had some very interesting things happen outside of baseball right. in the last five years. He's very outspoken. And people are starting to think he's kind of crazy. Yeah. And he says a lot of things. I think he's running for... Congress, and I think he's a very strange person, but I don't think that should carry over into what is thought about him as a Major League Baseball player for the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. Well, you look at Kurt Schilling's numbers. I mean, he doesn't have 300 wins. You can't use 300 wins as the benchmark anymore. Remember that they always said, oh, you've got to get the 300 wins to get in the Hall of Fame. Well, times have changed. That's 300 wins came when you started every fourth day, which I still don't understand why I don't do it. It worked 20 years ago or 30 years ago. I don't know why it doesn't now. 
But you look at his postseason record. I think I saw a stat on Kurt Schilling. He was like eleven and two in the postseason. Yeah, and he won. He won over two hundred games, I think, in his career. And you know, you look at some other guys. Look at Sandy Koufax. He got in like in his second year, and he only won like one hundred and sixty-five games or something like that. But he had such a dominant five-year stretch, and that's when I first started following baseballs when Sandy Koufax was in that stretch. And it, and you really thought when Sandy Koufax would take the mound every time out, you thought. He could pitch a no-hitter because he had such good stuff. But he also had an elbow that basically exploded in the end. His elbow basically just exploded and was basically rendered useless. You know, he couldn't even lift his arm. He couldn't lift his arm very high, you know, by the time his career was over. But the Hall of Fame is very subjective. Uh, I I always find it interesting that some guy like uh, – I, I, I don't even know what name to use. Say um, some – obscure player gets like three votes that he's not even no way does he deserve to be in the like scooter Jeanette just a player like scooter right guy that maybe had like one good year yeah he had one good game he had four (laughs) home runs against the Cardinals when he retires he'll probably get a hall of fame vote for somebody but he doesn't deserve to be Why, why waste your votes like that that's just crazy to me yeah I I agree with you there but I still, you know where I stand on the Clemens and Barry Bonds and Sammy Sosa's of the world you want them in I just think it is really hard to overlook what, about what Pete, happened. What about Pete Rose? I think he deserves to be in. Okay. I, I think that I understand a little bit more why, but I, I don't see the Hall of Fame as, as as something. I see it more as a museum. Yeah. And I say, okay, here is this that happened. Pete Rose was one of the best baseball players we've ever had. He was even a manager. Yeah. He was he was the manager while he was playing. And he bet on his team, though. Right, but saying, hey, this happened. Here is this. Then you move ahead. Okay, here are all of these guys that were some of the best baseball players that you have ever seen. They are hitting these 500-foot home runs. Jose Canseco is hitting it almost out of the stadium. Now, you might have your own little corner here and talk about what happened and the Mitchell report and everything else that went on, but... Well, these guys they, are here, maybe and they look need, at what they did. Maybe they need to have a Hall of Shame wing and say, these guys, they cheated, but they were so good, we put them in anyway. There are a lot of people in that Hall of Fame that oh, cheated. sure they did. There are a lot of people in that Hall of Fame that did bad things, are bad people. Ty Cobb was a bad person. I think there are a lot of those guys that were not very good people, and, and I think that Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, all those guys, because of how good they were, and remember, at the same time, everybody was cheating. Yeah. I, and these guys still stood ahead. That's how I feel, and that's how I've always felt. And at some point, these guys are going to get in. And it, it will happen. I Yeah, I do too. I think it will, and I think it'll be. And if it doesn't happen in 15 years, there's that Veterans Committee. And then by the time Barry Bonds is 70 years old and his head shrunk back down to normal size. From, he's a normal-sized person now. Is he a normal-sized person now? Yeah, he's like the hitting coach for the Marlins and okay. bounced around. He looks like a normal person. Okay, well. When he Jose like, Canseco's still not a normal person. Yeah, when Barry Bonds was at the height of his alleged steroid career, he was a massive individual. He's a big dude. Yeah. Roger Clemens, still a big dude. Yeah. Don't hear about Roger Clemens at all anymore. He's kind of. I think he's just hidden deep in the heart of Texas. Yep. Yeah. He's down. I think he's watching his boys play ball. Yeah, they can't beat the Razorbacks, so it makes sense. Okay. All right, Steve. Let's talk about the McPherson Invitational. Let's do it. Starting today. We'll do that next. You're listening to According to Jim, 96.7 FM, KBBE. You're listening to the According to Jim podcast with Jim Joyner and Steve Self. 
According to Jim is brought to you by Great Plains Federal Credit Union, Brown Shoe Fit in downtown McPherson, Next Tech Wireless, and Farmers State Bank with branch locations in McPherson, Lindsborg, and Galva. You can also listen live Monday through Friday from 1230 to 1 p.m. on 96.7 FM KBBE or online at midkansasonline.com. Rebecca, this afternoon's According to Jim, 96.7 FM, KBBE, Steve Sell. Yes, sir. Good to see you today. Oh, yeah. You seem like you're refreshed. Seems like you've got a, a, lot, a lot of life to you. I went to bed early last night. I watched about a half of Zion and said, he's a bust. Are you going to watch Zion again in the next week if he's on TV? It just depends if we have a game to cover because we have games about every night, seems like, for quite That's a while. true. We have a lot of games coming up. Yeah. And it starts off with a busy, 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 busy day of basketball inside the McPherson Roundhouse. Four games starting at 3 o'clock. And I think we've got a really good stretch of four games coming up today. And I will be very interested to see how this bracket falls. And, of course, the Bullpups playing the final game of the night tonight against a very very good Blue Valley team. And one thing when talking with Coach Kinneman yesterday and, and trying to get his feel for this week... I think we saw it last year as well, but in order to win a tournament like this, in most years, you have to play at least two really good games against pretty good teams. We saw it two years ago. The Blue Valley West team that they played wasn't a great team two years ago. Yeah, but they, they were competitive. They, they won that game, slopped through it. Shawnee Mission East, they then turned around and beat them and then had to beat a very good Bishop Carroll team later on. Last year, Blue Valley West was a little bit better, had to win a game down the stretch. Shawnee Heights, I wouldn't have called a great team, but they played them tough that night, again had to win a game down the stretch, and then lost to Shawnee Mission East in the finals. I think this year, because the Bullpups are the four seed, it's put them into a position where, in order to win this tournament this week, they're going to have to beat three very good teams. This Blue Valley team is no joke, and I enjoyed a, a comment that Coach Kinneman made in talking about how Blue Valley has to play in a night-in, night-out basis in the Eastern Kansas League where they could have two unbelievably good D1 players on their team, but the other teams that they play might have three, yeah. might have four. And so they have to play a little differently depending on what kind of skill sets the D1 player on the other team has. And I think that they will play tonight differently against McPherson than maybe they do against Bishop Miege. Maybe they do against Blue Valley Northwest. And I think this Blue Valley team is just going to be a very long, very athletic. They want to play fast. And I'll be interested to see how this team plays against a very good Blue Valley team tonight. And I'm going to say this, and I've said it before. Do not wait until Friday. Don't assume this is a gimme game if you're a McPherson fan. They're going to need Bullpup Nation out in force. Uh, it's a little different atmosphere tonight. Uh, it's not going to be as festive inside the roundhouse. Sometimes in first-round games, the Bullpups have to make their own energy. They're going to need the fans out there tonight because they need that sixth man you know, in the stands. So if you're thinking about just blowing this game off tonight and say, oh, they'll win, they'll be in the semis to play Carroll tomorrow night, Blue Valley, folks, is the real deal. And they got a 6'7 kid It's already getting major D1 looks, and he can really shoot it. They've got an, another athlete that's going to play football at K-State. They've got a couple sharp shooting guards. 
They will have no fear. They will come in here and say, ha, McPherson, they're a little 4A school. We should, we can, we can beat this team. So the Bullpups are going to have to be at the top of their game. The interesting thing about basketball at the higher classifications, and in particular in the bigger cities, is that let's say McPherson's schedule in AVCTL Division Three. if there's a Division One basketball player on one of those teams, man, that guy can make a really big difference. Sure. You keep going down. If you put a Division One basketball player with Coach Unrau at Mound Ridge, man, does that make a oh, huge difference yeah. down at 1A. When you get to some of the really big classifications, you might need three Division One guys in order to hang with some of the teams. And, and there is that depth that you see at the top classifications. And it is interesting the way the dynamic works with some of those bigger schools. And that's why, to me, what Bishop Carroll is able to do a lot of times is very impressive because typically they don't have a lot of big-time, six-foot-eight, freaky, crazy good Division One players. Right. They're able to do it with a little bit less. Yeah. And, and that's what I, I'm impressed with a little bit. Coming from a Sunflower League school, remember when I was in high school, we had to play Willie Cauley-Stein, who is an NBA lottery pick. Yeah. He had to play Siobhan Shields, who played at Nebraska and was an all-Big Ten player multiple times. They had another guard that was a small D2 guard. They had another guard that was a Avila player. Every single one of those schools has teams like that. Think of Kansas City Piper that we played this year. Right. They have four guys. That are and play. that's a small school in Kansas City. They've got four guys that are going to play collegiate basketball, I believe. And I, Tamar Bates will play Division One. I. I think – Anyone that doesn't try to recruit the, the Shelly kid is missing the boat. And then they had a 6'5 kid, the Arndt kid. He could really sky. And then the point guard, uh, I can't remember his name offhand, about 6'3, real long arms, played incredible defense. That's the kind of, you know, that's the kind of teams they have back east. But my point in all of this is I think that these types of weekends for a McPherson team are so important. Whether you win or lose, I think it's very important that for the grand scheme of things, getting ready for sub-state, getting ready for a state tournament, you have to have some experience seeing teams with this many great weapons that can do different things against you. And the other thing that we say all the time, too, a lot of the bigger schools tend to have a big guy. They tend to have a six foot eight center, a six foot ten center, a six foot six center. And McPherson doesn't see that all that often. And that's why I think that these games are so important for them to learn how to play against teams with so much talent top right. to bottom because I think this McPherson team really looks up and looks forward to these challenges. Oh, I think so. Boys and girls and, side. And, and you look at this tournament, I mean, they're by far the smallest school in the in the tournament. What was the second one? 11. They're like 450 students behind the next smallest school. Right. Uh, Derby's got 1,400 more kids. Then McPherson and the other big who, Wichita North. Wichita North is like the second biggest or biggest school in the state at 24, 2,500 kids. So, you know, when you have 2,500 kids in a school, you only got to find five that can really play basketball and be pretty good. Yeah. But I think that this Bullpup team is looking forward to this. And I think that this is a group that's ready to prove themselves, too. There is always that chip on your shoulder. And I think that's a part of what has made. McPherson and, basketball, very good for I, a long and I, time. And the Bullpups want to win so bad today because Bishop Carroll would be their opponent. Let's face it, Bishop Carroll's going to roll. Derby's going to roll. Lawrence Free State's going to roll. The big game of the day is the last game, the most competitive game. I don't see those other top three teams losing. 
And the Bullpups want to be on that winning side. That's right. And I think they want to play Bishop Carroll. And like we've talked about, this is a Bishop Carroll team that not only could you be seeing in a sub-state final, I don't think they'd see him in a sub-state opener because I don't think they would drop to Yeah, not the way the seeds would fall. Right. I don't think you'd see him in a sub-state opener, but you could very easily see this team in a sub-state final, a state quarterfinal, a state semifinal, heck, a state championship game. That's how good this Carroll team is. Yeah. They want to be able to see this team, see how they play. And see how you stack up against what well, they, many t- consider to be the number one team in 5 And, you know, we were so impressed with Carroll when we saw them last year. The way they play, they play they play kind of the bullpup way. I mean, they really play the right way, and their execution is just unbelievable. Coach Dominic does a great job at Carroll. I picked them as the team to beat in the tournament. Uh, I really believe they're the best team. Uh, the bullpups would have to beat Carroll to make the finals. That would be massive. And... Remember, these teams met, what was it, last year or two years ago? Two years in the two, two years ago in the final. I thought it was the semis, and then the Bullpups played in the finals against somebody else. But nope. When they played Carroll, you might want to look that up in your book. I thought it was in the semis. It was in the finals okay. two years ago. But that was a great game, and, and uh, Carroll, you know, they do it the right way, and they'll, br- they'll bring a big crowd. Uh, I'll guarantee you, if uh, the Bullpups are fortunate to win tonight, the roundhouse should be full on Friday if the Bullpups play Bishop Carroll. 8-15 tonight, McPherson against Blue Valley. And, Steve, we have one more thing to do. Let's do it. Call us now, 620-241-1504. And what number of call are you taking? Let's take, what do you want to take? Eight. Caller number eight. Yeah. We could do that for three tickets. Four tickets for three days at the McPherson Invitational, courtesy of McPherson High School. Caller number eight, 620-241-1504. You're listening to the According to Jim podcast with Jim Joyner and Steve Self. According to Jim is brought to you by Great Plains Federal Credit Union, Brown Shoe Fit in downtown McPherson, Next Tech Wireless, and Farmer State Bank with branch locations in McPherson, Lindsborg, and Galva. You can also listen live Monday through Friday from 1230 to 1 p.m. on 96.7 FM KBBE or online at midkansasonline.com. Ramping up today's According to Jim, 96.7 FM KBBE, our ticket winner, Cheryl, Cheryl Railsback. Yes. She is our winner here today. So she wins four tickets to the McPherson Invitational. She gets to go to the tournament free. Three-day passes. She can go every single day, all 12 games, put her feet up and be excited. There you go. For three full days of basketball. You bet. Steve, that's what we've got. Three full days of basketball. Yes, we do. And I'll have a story on every single game, box score on every single game. Mid-Kansas Online is your number one source for the McPherson Invitational. And thanks to Shane Bakus, he posted that. You know, uh, go to midkansasonline.com for, you know, the best tournament coverage going, and and we'll do our best to keep the people informed. We'll always keep the people informed. We will also be giving updates throughout the afternoon on how games are moving if we're running behind. So just stay tuned here on 96.7 FM KBBE. Yep, he'll be here, and we'll be giving updates from inside the roundhouse. So stay tuned. We'll also be posting at Mid-Kansas Online if we're running way behind or anything. So we will keep you informed on what's going on today. But the Bullpups taking on Blue Valley at 8.15. Yeah, going to be a lot of fun. Three great games before that. Uh, I believe Derby plays the first game at 3. The second... uh, Free State Junction City, 445. Bishop Carroll, Wichita North at 6.30. Yeah, if you want to see this Carroll team, they play right before the Bullpups. So I would encourage you to get out for that uh, 6.30 game and Carroll because they're a fun team to watch. 
Got a kid named Tim really play. Alex Littlejohn can really play. Uh, got a couple other really good guards. Uh, they, they, they play the game the bullpup way. Wrapping up today's show, for Steve Sell, I'm Jim Joyner. Thanks for listening to, to, according to Jim, not McPherson I Basketball. You can listen to McPherson I Basketball tonight at 8.15, right here on 96.7 FM, KBBE. According to Jim, with Jim Joyner and Steve Sell, was brought to you by Great Plains Federal Credit Union, Brown Shoefit in downtown McPherson, Next Tech Wireless, and Farmer State Bank with branch locations in McPherson, Lindsborg, and Galva. Make sure to listen to According to Jim every weekday from 1230 to 1 p.m. right here on 96.7 FM KBBE.